won't stop firing. I think I'm being followed. My dad is turning green, like literally green. My last nav check put me on the range point four. This is control. Be radio. Keep calm and remain on the guard frequency. and Sims, Captains and Commanders, you're tuned to the Guard Frequency, and as all good pilots know, when you're out in the deep black, you want to keep one ear on the guard. This is episode 102 of the Best Damn Space Sim podcast ever, and was recorded on Saturday, January 9th, and made available for download Tuesday, January 12th, over at GuardFrequency.com. I'm Lennon. I'm Jeff. And I'm Tony. What do we have this week, Tony? Well, this week's Squawk Box, uh, it's a bird. It's a plane. No, wait, it's actually a flying donkey. On the flight deck, we see what news from your favorite space sims has landed as we cover the latest updates in Star Citizen, some upcoming changes to the power play mechanic in Elite Dangerous, and a new space sim that's recently hit our radars by the name of Evacron Legacy. And finally, we tune into the feedback loop to let you join in the conversation. That takes care of the housekeeping, so let's get on to the show and see what's coming through the squawk box. Hey, you boys need a carrier around here? Uh, everything's under control. Situation normal. Crypto, 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 this is Tony saying welcome to the Squawk Box, everyone. As you are all well aware, we here at Guard Frequency are big fans of everything that goes boom and or zoom. But we are also occasionally intrigued by things that make sort of a buzzing, whirring noise. You know, sort of somewhere between a buzzsaw and a vacuum cleaner. At least when those things are designed to get to 18,000 feet in the air and travel at 100 knots. The Air Mule from Urban Aeronautics made its first untethered flight recently. This unmanned floating car prototype buzzed around on a pair of ducted fans placed fore and aft of a central turbine power plant. While this is a slightly underpowered early test bed, the production model is slated to pack nearly 1,000 horsepower, enabling the Air Mule to carry half a ton of cargo more than 185 miles. You'll notice I provided no conversion factors to metric in that whole description. I'll take an achievement sounder, please. Thank you very much. As many people can guess, a practical high-altitude true hovercraft would have no end of uses in both military and civilian applications, from stealthy close air support that could safely navigate city streets, to remote reconnaissance, to combat resupply. This kind of hardware would come in very handy to soldiers on any battlefield. But where the air mule will truly find its niche is a job near and dear to our hearts, search and rescue. Medevac searching through disaster zones for survivors. How about picking up people out of windows of burning skyscrapers, huh? Heck, typical life flight rides for heart attack victims just became easier and cheaper when you can land the rescue vehicle on the front lawn or the roof of the apartment building. Every place you don't want to take a helicopter, the air mule can go. As with many things we report on here, there's uh, some certain distance between prototype and reality. It's going to be a tricky path to airworthiness, as this thing doesn't act like a plane or a helicopter. Notably, the auto-rotate feature inherent in the design of a typical helicopter just doesn't apply here. However, it has been deemed perfectly safe in one way already. The version of the Air Mule approved for the international market, dubbed the Cormorant, just got its Category 2 certification under the Missile Technology Control Regime Treaty. This means that the tech involved in it can't be used to deliver weapons of mass destruction via remote control. So, we found one thing it can't do. So here's your flying car, Jeff. Unmanned flying car. Well, it's it's designed to carry a thousand pounds, and my Honda Civic in the owner's manual tells you that it, you should not, never load more than 800 pounds into the cab. 
So four 200-pound adults is what it's supposed to carry in there. So, you know, it's got the cargo capacity of a Honda Civic. It could carry people. It could carry a Honda Civic. Well, no. One of the early Honda Civics. Yeah, okay, yeah. One of the, like the first, like the 73 Honda Civic. Yeah, Yeah, because my brother and I picked up one in the front end and moved it front. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, one of the first ones. Yeah, I could do that. Sling it underneath the bottom. So this is effectively a, not using high altitude in the traditional sense, but a high altitude hovercraft? Right. Mm-hmm. They had a video of it on uh, on the article that I checked out. And it, I mean, it's not horribly impressive at the prototype stage, but there's no wires and it just sort of picks itself up and flies around a parking lot for a while. You know how like drones and stuff, you see that sort of like wobble yeah. as, it, as it tries to figure out air current and stuff like that? Not really here. I mean, it looks pretty stable, looks pretty steady and just sort of like meanders around like it knows what it's doing. So this is the first test that wasn't tethered somehow with a, you know, a control wire. This is operating as it would in its early unmanned prototype stages. That's pretty awesome, especially like you said, with the ability to do things like medevac and search and rescue and, you know, the, the thing about getting people off the top of the burning skyscrapers, because there was a incident recently, wasn't there, where two people got trapped atop a, one of those electric windmill, uh, the big like turbine generators, and they had no way of getting them down when the thing caught fire. So something like this would be amazing if they could yeah. do that and just make everything so much safer. This is really quite impressive technology. It's been tried a dozen times before, but it, they always seem to sort of fail in the early execution stages. You know, that, that flying saucer thing with all the ducted fans placed around yeah. it. There's always some sort of issue once they get the thing in the air. Like It all works great on paper, but this is one of the few sort of concepts that it looked pretty stable from the first time off the ground. And the numbers sort of seem to work too, and it just in just on paper, a thousand horsepower. That's like three muscle car engines. So that's not an unreasonable sized power plant for what they want to do. And carrying a thousand pounds, like I said, that's you know five good sized adult males. That's that's a good amount for a you know a small fetch and carry type craft, which is this is designed to be. So yeah, it looks like this one might actually ha huh, get off the ground. Hmm. Well, I'm looking at pictures of this. And I'm not sure I'm looking at the right one because this doesn't seem to have rotors uh, fore and no. aft. It seems to have rotors it, in the back. That th- those are its those are its drive units. That's oh, what okay. actually pushes it around. But what keeps it off the ground are are ducted fans. Oh, I underneath see the thing. Oh, this is cool looking. Yeah, they were kind of excited too because they could potentially ad- adapt it to like a stealth shape, like the F one seventeen. You know, the uh, the Nighthawk. They could build the fuselage to look like that. And then minimize its radar cross-section. Well, is this Israeli or is this U.S.? This is Israeli. Okay. But we've sent them so many F-15s. It's like they owe us. (laughs) Until they model it to look like a shuttle from the Enterprise, I don't want one. I don't know. It's pretty close to looking like an Imperial shuttle. It is pretty close. Put some folding wings on that sucker and, man, you got, got yourself an Imperial shuttle. No, that's what I mean. They just need to take it that one step further. All right, have you read, seen, or heard something you think might be interesting to others listening to the Spectrum? Send an email to squawk at guardfrequency.com. But for now, let's see what news has hit the flight deck. 3175, Port Bay, hands on approach, checkers green, call the ball. Don't get technical with me. Our Star Citizen crowdfunding update for January 9th, 2016, 100,229,000, up about 600,000. 1.16 million registered accounts, up about 20,000 accounts. And 886,000 ships in the UEE fleet, up about 8,000 ships. 
And speaking of Star Citizen, it had a much slower week this week, which can be understood given the huge amount of content that was dropped at the end of last year. The studio updates in Around the Verse were a lot of everyone just got back and we're trying to remember exactly what it is we do here type stuff, and it sounds as if there is a large executive steering meeting going on in the UK to determine goals and direction for CIG in 2016, though at the moment pretty much everyone is focused on working on 2.1. They did say special attention is being paid to the EVA flight mechanics, and Around the Verse also had a large segment on art and design for the Shubin mining station for those that are interested. There were a few tidbits of information in the latest 10 for the Chairman episode as well, recorded approximately a week ago due to Chris being here in the UK. Most of the information was of the usual vague assurances or rehashes of things that we already know, but there were two new things that are worthy of note. First, Chris assured us that despite not fitting in hangars, the huge capital ships such as the Javelin will still have an option for parking or docking where the ship can be completely devoid of crew but will still be safe from hijacking or assault, so organisations will not have to step up their recruitment in Asia to make sure that someone in Star Citizen can man the turrets 24-7. The other bit of news delivered as an offhand comment was that Chris expects persistence and purchase in the larger universe to be in place by the beginning of next year. Wait, no, 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 wait, 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 wait. He recorded it like a week ago. So the beginning of next year would be, you know, the beginning of 2016, right? That's right. No. <laughs> See, I'm not normally the one who's the pessimistic one here. I kind of tend to leave that to you, Tony, but the, the way that I thought I'd try phrased... an interesting role reversal for the for the new year. How's it working? It's It's confusing i'm gonna be honest i'm not really too sure what to do with life right now um but no the the yeah. way that it was spoke about was that it is going to be something that is towards the end of this current year 2016 q1 2017 now yeah to be in place by then so they're hoping that the end of year of this year will be when persistence and purchasing are in place so a little bit of a while to go but it was done as an offhand comment it's one of those where you know when you hear it you suddenly think like what hang on that's going to be a while but it could just be a generic thing of like you know those are the last two things that we really need before we can start rolling everything out it was relatively quite throwaway but it does indicate that you know if you were expecting to get your hands on it next week or the week after or by like march then you might need to adjust your expectations on that and the one thing that bothers me, purchasing, I mean, that's that's the economy. You're going to have to tweak stuff. I mean, there's going to have to be server reboots and resets and blah, blah, blah. I mean, purchasing isn't that big of a deal to me. But the persistence thing, that is going to be an issue even for testing. Because if I can't acquire somehow through REC or whatever uh, uh, stuff and then save a loadout that I like, that is my favorite, that is my go-to, and then iterate on that and go, wait a minute, I just changed out X weapon for Y weapon and my damage went down, but the tech spec says it should go up. That's like a bug reporting thing. That's like a performing not as intended situation. Or if I have a favorite loadout and I save it, and then from one week to the next, the performance drops and there's nothing in the patch notes about it. You're like, wait a minute, you guys broke something because this loadout used to kill raiders really fast, but now it doesn't. You know, And, and people aren't going to take the time to set up their sweet kit if they can't lock it in and save it and then go back to that same ship every single time. So that, that's a testing problem for me. Yeah, I mean, the way it was spoke about, I definitely got the impression that persistence was coming before then, you know, is by the end of the year that it, both are going to be in place. You know, that can mean that persistence is coming sort of May, even, just to pick a random month between here and then. But no, I totally agree with you that in order to test things properly, yeah, you need to be able to have uh, consistency from patch to patch to patch to patch to see, like you said, exactly what's either nerfed intentionally 
or what has been inadvertently broken. And the only way that you're going to be able to do that is if you can, like you said, load in a template of weapons without me having to write down on a sheet of paper and keep it next to the monitor, okay, for my freelance, I'm using the power plant X right. with the guns Y with the ammunition Z. As that's... they add in more and more equipment, it's going to be impossible. Right now you swap right. out four or five guns. That's not terribly inconvenient, but they're going to be putting more stuff in there. Yeah. Yeah. But I also think that this does possibly hint at their focus is going to be entirely on Squadron 42. Obviously, they touted the release date of 2016. So I can see that a lot of features like persistence and purchasing that they probably wanted to get in a lot sooner have had to be pushed back a bit in order to make space for completing Squadron 42 on time. Well, but wouldn't you need a something like persistence even in Squadron 42? I mean, well, not necessarily. I mean, we don't really know enough details about it to know if we're going to be able to customize and swap a ship's layout. You know, there might just be a first-person adventure which you get locked into ships where you cannot change the spec on them. So, who's to say? Well, even then, yeah, yeah, probably. I mean, like I just was saying a second ago about you swapping out four or five guns. Probably there'll be some sort of mission loadout screen at the beginning of like you know this mission. You're going to go bomb a capital ship so you probably ought to swap out your missiles for torpedoes or something like that that's yeah. something that they can do on a per instance loading thing you don't need necessarily need persistence on that i guess uh, you're probably right i bet that's why persistence kind of fell off the map there yeah there was also some talk as well about star marine in the latest uh, i can't remember if it was 10 for the chairman or one of those type of programs but there was a uh, chris was recently talking about star marine and one of the gaming magazines took a quote a little bit out of context he said it was going to be more lethal than call of duty and they basically took that to mean it's going to be a much better game than call of duty rather than <laughs> the repercussions for dying are going to be much better than call of duty yeah, um, yeah, so yeah. there's currently a whole thing going on on the various gaming mags on the internet about how chris roberts believes that star citizen is going to be the next call of duty killer so many things it might be but that i doubt i'll be surprised if it was but i honestly doubt jeff any words any thoughts Nope. The only thing I really say is, uh, okay, some words. <laughs> <laughs> no, the only thing I can really say is that, you know, I expect the, the area between, you know, the Christmas push and the ramp up of 2016 to be kind of devoid of real juicy tidbits. So I wasn't surprised by the lack of real information. I, I know that they're hard at work and eagerly waiting the next 2.1 to live. And um, uh, they did say in the Around the Verse episode that they might have some surprising new features in the 2.1 July push when they get it ready. So Yes, that was, that was true. They did uh, say that. Um, I was unable to find anything that that might actually relate to. There's wild fan speculation that it could be anything from they're going to let us have a jump point mechanic down to, oh, they're just going to make a couple more ships playable. So, yeah, I wasn't really able to glean anything from that. And uh, as much as I love theory crafting and rumor crafting, it does get a bit annoying when Tony ends up being right. So I didn't want to give him the opportunity by making sure that was in there. Well, back in June, Elite Dangerous released Patch 1.3 Power Play, which brought to the universe an entirely new avenue of gaming by allowing the player to get involved in the murky business of interstellar politics. One of the most ambitious expansions introduced since the game's launch at that time, at its heart, Power Play is a battle for territory. Each power attempts to expand into systems, extracting resources from them in order to pay for continued expansion and protect systems already being exploited. As a player, you can then pledge your allegiance to a power and carry out tasks for them in return for rewards and prestige. That's where we are right now. 
But in their first dev update of 2016, Frontier explains that their plans for the role minor factions will play in the ongoing power play battle. The dev update itself goes into a lot of detail about the roles of minor factions, going into great depths to explain socioeconomic simulation and how this will affect factions going forward, and it's a fascinating read, but it boils down to this. Minor factions are entities within star systems that compete to take control of the assets within that star system. The faction that controls the primary starport there is generally the one in charge. This means that they also get to set the rules for the port. If you choose to join a minor faction, be sure to take a look at their influence level, which indicates how much power they hold. You can increase your faction's influence levels, reduce those of rival factions by doing things like completing missions, picking up bounties, and plain old trading. Interestingly, powers and minor factions do not have direct connections, and in fact, they can work together or oppose each other. A star system where the minor faction is in charge of the port might be squabbling with a major superpower, and it's not going to be an easy one to do business in, but it might just be the key to turning the tide in the greater political struggle. Frontier has also published a list of the minor factions that are currently in control of more than eight star systems, so be sure to check out the list available on their website or via the links in our show notes. I've done the power play thing. I kind of enjoyed it. I don't do the power play thing. You don't do power play? My issue with power play is that if you were to call anything a grind in Elite Dangerous, that would be it. The power play errands that you run are probably the most repetitive thing in the game. I said very, very at the very beginning when I, we talked about Elite Dangerous a little bit last year, there's a lot of little mini-games in Elite. It's just it's a collection of a lot of fun, entertaining mini-games. There's the space combat, obviously. That's not really a mini-game, but it's you know the space combat. But there's a lot of other little things you can do, one of them being interdiction. You can pull a ship out of Super Cruise. That's one of the things you do repeatedly in a power play sort of environment. You can also do trading. I hate trading. But you can haul things back and forth. All of this to earn the respect of your power play power. Well, then there's the minor power factions. And those have a much broader variety of things you can do. You want to do a little asteroid mining. You want to do a little bounty hunting. You want to do a little trading. You want to do a quick courier run to the next system. You can do a bunch of different things for the minor factions. But for the powers, those just get repetitive. So I kind of like the fact that they're intending to bring the minor factions up a little bit uh, because that back-end mission generation there has improved so much since the beginning of Elite Dangerous' uh, release, and it's just a, a much better, much more robust system now. Well, I, you know, our Steam producer tried to explain it to me. I, I've chosen not to participate in Power Play for various reasons, but mostly it's just... Yeah, until... I yeah. just, I didn't want to grind... He did explain to me the breakdown was kind of simple. He said, you know, when you get a paycheck of $50 million a week, it's, you know, kind of nice. And that's true, but I don't know yeah. that the paycheck is offsetting the things I have to do to maintain that. Yeah, um, there's the the way it works with the, the reputation system is you have to do a lot of that repetitive grind stuff up front to get to that. There's different tiers, but the tier five, you get 50 million space bucks a week dropped into your little bank account which is, you know, awesome. But you have to shoot down or haul a lot of stuff. And then once you hit that top tier, it's not like you can just rest on your laurels. You have to keep it up to the tune of about half, somewhere between a third and a half of that initial big push that you got to, to, to get to that high level. There's a formula they use to calculate the decline curve, and it's it's not terrible, but it's it, it really is a stretch when you hit that top tier to, 
devote that kind of time and energy to that same task over and over again. It really is for people that like the one type of mini game and will do it over and over again. Yeah, it really is. I've talked to some that have just totally dropped out of the power play thing and you know, well, I, I stuck with I stuck with one faction long enough to earn the spiffy weapons that you can get, but you need to only get to one of the middle tiers to earn those. It's not that bad to get the spiffy weapons, but to, to get that top tier 50 million credit a week paycheck, man, that is a struggle. Yeah, I find the grind to get rank, and you know, there's reputation and rank, and maintaining those is, is grind enough for me, I guess. Well, it, it's so much better now than it was, you know, a year ago, even six months ago. Six months ago... The type of missions you could get and the rewards that you would earn while doing it were not great. And they didn't have the meters. You couldn't tell where you were. You couldn't say, hey, I just did a courier mission to this next system and it bumped me 8%. Oh, I need to do some more of those because that's a good return on my time. You would just do it and they would say, thanks. And then that was it. She was like, okay, I mean... I hope that's so. Oh, and I, I'm glad they added it because that's all I've been doing for the last week is grinding my rank. I have already went up one rank this week, and I'm 80% into my next rank. And it's really nice to see your progress. It really, really is. And you can do a bunch of different missions now, right? Yes. I've been doing surface missions right now where I'm attacking an outpost, but I stack them up. I mean, I collect this one particular mission right now that's, uh, you know, cut to power. And um, I go and blow their power generator and, and I stack up like nine or ten of those and I make a million and a half and uh, raise my rank up by, you know, five or six percent. Yeah, see, that kind of analysis wasn't possible six months ago. So it's a vast improvement. And plus, you know, we couldn't land on the ground. So. Well, that, yeah. <laughs> that, is a, uh, that is nice. I am looking forward to the Star Citizen's implementation of that as well. Elite Dangerous does it really, really well. Yeah, just jumping back to power play briefly. Um, this is one of those systems that was put in that when I was looking into, and admittedly this is when it first came out, looking into the details of it, it was one of those that was like really polarizing. It was there were people who were just absolutely crazy about it and would just do everything to try and influence politics on a regional level like this and there were others who were down like the complete opposite end of the spectrum it was like waste of time why have they even bothered putting it in there rarely seem to be very many people that are on the middle ground certainly in the vocal opinions but having you know actually played it and looked into it more and more there are quite a lot of people that are actually content with it but what this essentially boils down to is i'm trying to ask a question rather inarticulately with politics being brought into a game in terms of a gameplay mechanic what are your guys thoughts on this is this something that more space sims should try to do to try to emulate like the the real nature of what it would be like to be out in space you would have these power players or is this something that like you know you think they shouldn't be putting politics inside your shooty shooty space sim well, I think you raise a really good question when I look at, at uh, what Chris is trying to do with Star Citizen in the Persistent Universe. Do I want to have a vote in the say, in the say of, am I a citizen? And, and with citizen comes responsibility. <laughs> with great citizenship yeah. comes great responsibility. Yeah, yeah. It's a combination between Spider-Man and uh, Starship Troopers. I, I, I right. sense a merger there. Yeah. yeah. Uh, I think we should at least have a vote in that kind of system. I'm not sure how much of an influence. I mean, we're talking about in Star Citizen here, we're talking about a single political structure. There's not uh, the feds. There's not the alliance. Yeah. There's not to the... To start uh, with, yes. I mean, remember the whole thing that this is supposed to be modeled on is the decline and fall of the Roman Empire, right? Right, right. So 
there's going to be something bad that's going to happen, and I imagine there will be some kind of fracturing of the political arena there. And I think that's, that's, that's exciting and that's good. It all depends on how it's handled. The way that Frontiers handled the power play stuff is that there's still the three big empires. There's the Alliance and the Federation and the Empire. Inside those three empires, there are between two and four players, you know, power players that sort of have their own private standing armies or militias or divisions, whatever you want to call them. But they're all sort of operating unofficially. So somebody who's an empire power player attacks a federation power player with reckless abandon, but somehow the empire and the federation are not really at war. It's a tough sell on a fictional, in-fiction basis. Now, it's something with Star Citizen, if you had, like, the pirate faction or the imperial faction or the Terran faction, you might get away with some starfighter raids once in a while. But with the background simulation that Star Citizen is supposed to be gearing up versus the sort of hit-and-miss, still-a-work-in-progress background simulation that Frontier is still developing, I think that Star Citizen is going to have to really restrain itself on the politics part influencing the economy. Because the economy is supposed to run as a whole. Whereas in Frontier, the economy is more like individual ships, individual stations, where Star Citizen is more of an integrated system. It's going to be tricky. And to get back to your original question, Lennon, in Elite, I've chosen not to participate. It doesn't improve my gaming experience with this power play stuff. Who knows what's going to happen in Star Citizen if they choose to do that. So whether or not it belongs or not, I'm not one to say. But I will say whether I will participate in it or not. Well, and that's the problem with Star Citizen is that you're because the economy is so integrated, one whole thing, you may have no choice. It may be imposed upon you because of the way that economy is run. In Elite Dangerous, you can trade around stuff. If, if there's somebody who's chasing you or whatever, you just don't go to that system. There are thousands of other systems you can right. go to. Not so on the Star Citizen side. So it, they'll have to if they if they do do some kind of factionalization, political stuff like an elite, they're going to be real careful with how they implement it. So last week our community question talked about 2016 being the year of the space sim. So we wanted to let you know of a new title that's come into the scene recently and appearing on Star Race official YouTube channel was a brand new trailer for their latest game, Evercron Legacy. For those unfamiliar with Evercron series, they're an open-ended, free-form sandbox games that concentrate more on the technical simulation than on story simulation. And when we say technical simulation, we really mean it, as the entire game is full Newtonian physics. So much so, in fact, that a great piece of beginner advice for getting into Evercron games is not even attempt combat until you can successfully orbit an asteroid. Much like the games such as the X-Series or Elite Dangerous, Evercron puts you into a world and lets you play your own way, whether it's building your own space stations, smuggling, piracy, politics, espionage, or anything else you care to come up with. And Evercron Legacy is set to continue this trend, adding even more options to an already expansive list of roles you are able to create for yourself. Right now, full details on the game is a little thin on the ground, but rest assured, this is going to be a series that you definitely want to keep an eye on. So what do you guys think? I was going to say, Lennon brought this to our attention and uh, showed us the video for it, and it looks very impressive. I think my reaction to it was, it looks like Kerbal Space Program on a HUD. 
Yes, the Evercron series. So the, this is the second entry into the series, the first one being Evercron Mercenary, which when that first came out a couple of years back, I tried to get into it and I just got so overwhelmed by the level of technical detail that they go into, which actually isn't a bad thing. It's just I think I approached it with the wrong mindset. I approached it with the mindset that this was going to be a uh, space sim with a bit of an arcade sort of crossover, whereas in actual fact it is full-on technical simulation of what space would actually be like. If, if you're looking for literally a space simulator, this is without a doubt one of the routes to go down. Like you were saying, the game looks really beautiful, looks fantastic, and it's all developed by this uh, development studio called Star Wraith 3D, who is actually, uh, for Evacron Mercenary, is just a one-man band. But for Legacy, he's picked up a few more staff members in the form of a modeler and a musician. So what they're going for is by no means on the uh, size, scope, and scale of something like Star Citizen or Elite Dangerous but they have made a very impressive inroad into the space sim genre especially now that they're on a bit of a resurgence and this is one of those games where because of the level of technicality involved if you were looking for something that goes beyond what you're able to achieve in Star Citizen or in Elite Dangerous or you just want to get a feel for what it would be like to actually pilot a spacecraft then yeah like you were saying it's Kerbal on the HUD and it would really give you a sense of what it would be like to actually be that individual pilot strapped in a spaceship trying to just make your way around. There was a uh, Kickstarter that failed not too long ago and that had that same sort of pitch. Yeah, I think it was called Starfighter. And I don't know if that's really what people want. I mean, is that do you think that's something that people want, a full Newtonian? Well, you know, I look at this and I say, this is for astronauts in training. This kind of game is for those people that want to experience what it's like to go through boot camp and go out into, you know, up in the space shuttle and the whole nine yards because it's very technical. Right. To sort of draw a parallel to another simulation genre, you know, you get games like Air Combat and Ace Combat, which are flight sims, but, you know, focused on dogfighting and things like that. And then you get your things that are like Microsoft Flight Simulator. Oh, yeah. And yeah, <laughs> yeah. this one is definitely in that second league. It is still most definitely a simulator. It's just the, for want of a better term, the game aspect of it is less emphasized over the technical side. But having said that, once you actually get into it and you can handle your ship, the number of options that you then have are just only limited by your imagination. There's so many minor systems that have been put in place that enable you to do things. But I think that this is definitely one to be keeping an eye on. It does go, again, more to the technical side, but it looks to be a good little title when it's fully released. Well, it looks pretty. Spaceships go boom really good. <laughs> they do. So, yeah, and uh, I definitely think we should uh, keep keep our eyeballs on this one. So now it's time for news we didn't use. Everspace. Most recent information indicates that it's reducing focus on being a sim and focusing more on an arcade shooter style of flight and combat. Eve Valkyrie is set to begin its alpha on January 18th. Applications are still open. Talk to me, Katie Sackoff. Talk to me, Katie. And Infinity Battlescape developer prototype is still on track to be released by the end of the month for those that backed with the right Kickstarter pledge level. And this week's community question, Interstellar Politics. 
Elite has power play, and Star Citizen is set to mirror the collapse of the Roman Empire. But what's your view on politics? Do you wish more games would include ways to dominate on a political level? Or do you prefer to vote with lasers and torpedoes? Let us know your thoughts. Send an email to squawk at guardfrequency.com or post on our show read at guardfrequency.com. And now that we're all caught up in the latest news, it's time to tune into the feedback loop and let you join in on the conversation. Okay, buddy, what's on your mind? We're all friendlies! So let's just be friendly! Some say he's more than qualified to talk about astrophysics, and that he's the first person to calculate the speed of dark. But all we know is he's called the Shiv, and he helped put together this week's feedback. 2016 looks to be the year of the space sim, so which games are you mostly looking forward to? Well, Dilek writes in and says, How about descending into new horizons of madness? Eh, eh? Great show, balanced and very fun. As for the community question, of course, Star Citizen. Next versions of the alpha will bring exciting new mechanics. Did you know, for example, that the Use button will disappear and will be replaced by an outline surrounding the object you want to interact with? The reason why this hasn't been implemented is because the Use function is so ingrained within CryEngine that effectively removing it and replacing it has taken some time. Hope to listen to you next week. Uh, interesting story, though. And Jeff, I'm hoping you'll be able to verify this one for me. Before the Earth was livable, right about the time when the moon was coalescing into what we now know, Jeff and I had a coffee at the restaurant at the edge of the universe. Lennon the Nimrod said, Hi, and Tony, mirrors? No, 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 no. I understand your point. It doesn't require power. Its operation is simple. But its utility for that particular purpose is limited. Besides, you only have a limited supply of oxygen in the suit, so if your battery has enough capacity to last at least an hour after your oxygen is depleted, well, it'll probably still be useful. And since this is the future, their medical tech is slightly more advanced. I've made it a policy never to talk about things to you people about uh, prior to when your Earth was formed. <laughs> That's a good policy. <laughs> hey, wait, wait, wait. You people? You people? Oh, oh, yes. Oh, I'm yeah. Sorry. Okay. So, okay, Lennon, we know, we know where we stand. We know where we stand. You people. Yes, I, thought, I thought we were all sons of Jeff. Isn't that how it works? <laughs> Children of the Macomb. Sayldian uh. uh. says, good show, guys. I don't like the new format, but I like you guys. Give me some time to warm up to it. I'll stick around for a while. As for the CQ, um, yeah, tough one. Hmm. Oh, it's, you'll 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 still love us, Sao. You know you will. You can't get enough. Yeah, there are new exciting things that are coming, uh, which another listener wrote in about, so we'll address that at the time. But no, stick around. It's definitely going to be worth it. In general feedback, Splice Point, Tabascoid, and Poke Three Box also note that auction and running would be a big issue with running out of power. While the Shiv thinks that if you're going to go, go in style and deploy a disco ball. No power requirement, no angle issues. <laughs> oh my God. Unfortunately, he's got a point, a fabulous point. But He it's does a have a fabulous sparkly point. <laughs> and Silent Hunter says, I haven't been playing much of Star Citizen at the moment, as there's not a huge amount to do in there at the moment. I'm going to wait until Alpha 2.1 gets a full release and many of the bugs get fixed. It is still the game that I'm most looking forward to this year, as it's going to deliver far more in one package than Elite Dangerous has delivered in two. Also, what's going to happen to Nuggets for Nuggets? I liked that bit, and I hope you do some more skits. Elite Dangerous and Descent could provide a good source for humour as well. Surely the strategic thinking and development team could make a killing on Lave. Secondly, would you be interested in covering classic space sims of days gone by? Wing Commander is the obvious choice. We run a roleplay that is set in that universe over at Phoenix Roleplaying. Mmm, little shameless plug there. Also, my last lav check put me at Lagrange Point 4, but I'll be at my destination shortly. 
that is some great ideas right there. And um, guess what? We've already got one of them in the works. And uh, Shiv will be bringing a retro game section called The Simpod to our regular weekly listeners uh, starting next week. So stay tuned for that. And as far as as far as the pirates go, hmm. It's not just the pirates, so. It's not just the pirates. Don't forget the old men. The old the men old are men. cool. And, and and the consultant, uh, the the, <laughs> yes. uh, the the businessman, yeah, and Sean, yeah, and yeah, yeah. Max uh, Stacks and the Stacks brothers, yeah, the Stacks. I think they can find homes in just about every universe. I don't think they're universe specific, or they don't. They're not necessarily universe specific. So I think we'll bring some of those. We'll bring that stuff back too. We just get, get, let us get our footing here, and then this universe, and we're going to bring those guys back. Brian Rossman writes in and says, "High accuracy tracking and engagement." I'm not sure how altitude would be worth bringing into the name. Hmm, on the uh, F-15 Eagles uh, targeting pod thing. Yeah, yeah, I, that's sure. I actually, why not? But uh, Brian, while well, you gave us a good one suggestion, Mikey wrote in with a number of them. Here we go. Haughty acronym titling enclave. Mm, mm-hmm. Nice. Hippopotami and turtles eating. Sure. Mm. Holistically acquired temporal evolution. <laughs> okay. Ham and turkey eclair. Man, I'm hungry now. <laughs> Homogenous Adirondack thermal element. Mm, good. Keeps Maybe. cozy warm. Yeah. Harmony and togetherness eternally. Something we can all strive towards. I oh, think. man, man. That's far out, man. Yeah, strap that to the bottom of an F 15. Hall asked to eat. Now, now that is what you put at the bottom of a fighter plane. Yes. Plus, it feeds into your hunger, as it were. So, yeah, yeah, yeah. hermits are totally excellent. You're right. Yeah. We are. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Hills always torment everyone. It has been known. Yeah, and not, it's not, not if you're a climber. No, no. And humongous, angry tentacle entity. Ugh. Well, I've seen enough hentai to know where this is going. So just move on i was I, I went straight to i went straight to that scene in uh, pirates of the caribbean where johnny depp oh, just like kraken. walks into the kraken kraken yeah. mouth yeah yeah all right well and he goes on to say mirrors versus beacons why not both a beacon emitting a visual em ping would get a searcher in the general area and something akin to the reflective tape on a construction safety vest placed in a few key spots on eva suit would reflect dim light back from a wide angle to the search team as for powering the beacon, with today's tech, a 3,500 milliamp battery can power a smartphone for about 16 hours of talking. It's not unreasonable to assume that with the combination of Moore's Law and a little hand-wavium, a power cell the size of a candy bar could hold several times what a car battery does today. So if we've, if we've learned anything is that people actually don't want to give up their sparkly reflective fabulousness when they're drifting out in space, but oxygen's probably the primary concern about being rescued. I'm sorry. I'll go with a with a bright strobe over mirrors any day of the week. <laughs> if that's why not combine? Is... Why not point your bright st- uh, strobe at Shiv's disco ball? Oh, and then there you dance go. around the disco ball so you can change the angle that it reflects. While singing Macho Man. Our new Patreons this week is Ricky, and the winners of a brand new patch are a small man. And paging Doctor Ergon, please get in touch with us. Squawk at guardfrequency.com. We had an issue mailing your patch, and the shit wants to make things right. That sound you just heard was your patch envelope, Dr. Argon. Let us know. And this week's community question. Interstellar politics. Elite has power play, and Star Citizen is set to mirror the collapse of the Roman Empire. But what's your view on politics? 
Do you wish more games would include ways to dominate on a political level, or do you prefer to vote with lasers and torpedoes? Let us know your thoughts. Send an email to squawk at guardfrequency.com or post over on our show thread at guardfrequency.com. So, how was the show? Something that'll leave a lasting legacy, or are you just ready to meet us on the infinite battlescape? Either way, let us know. Here are some ways you can get in touch with us. Leave a comment on the show's post over at guardfrequency.com. Or hit us up on Twitter at GuardFreak and leave a comment and like us on Facebook.com forward slash GuardFreak. If you're old school like us, you can always shoot us an email to squawk at guardfrequency.com. You can also use the contact form on our website, and all the details for all the ways to get in touch with us can be found in the show notes. Your feedback is an important part of what we do, so take a minute. Tell us what's on your mind. And that brings us to the end of episode 102 of Guard Frequency. We'll be back with episode 103 on January 19th, so be sure to keep an eye out for our shows over on our website, guardfrequency.com. But that's not all. You can also subscribe to our shows at feeds.guardfrequency.com or by searching for us on iTunes. And if you're not doing anything Friday nights, you can always join us live over at guardfrequency.com forward slash live. We start recording around 11 p.m. Central. That's Saturdays at 5 a.m. GMT. Do you like what we do? Want to help us make the best damn space sim podcast ever? Drop an email to squawk at guardfrequency.com. And you can also support the show by visiting our website, GuardFrequency.com, clicking on the Patreon logo, and becoming a regular subscriber. For just a buck twenty-five, you'll get access to the raw recordings of our live shows, as well as being entered into our weekly drawing to win some Guard Frequency goodies. We want to thank all of our Patreons who support us with their subscriptions week over week, and hope you consider making a regular contribution. The more support we get, the better show we can make. And are you looking for a friendly wingman or two? We are active in most space sims and would love to have you join us. Check out our website and look under call sign section for details on how you can fly with us. And don't forget about our sister production, Priority One. They cover all things Star Trek from the TV series to the MMO, the novels, the movies, and everything in between. Be sure to check them out at PriorityPodcast.com. We'd like to thank the entire team at Guard Frequency and the Priority One Network. Thanks to our community manager, Justin Shivery Bean Lowmaster, our artists, Ben Sanders and Simon Jordan Edwards, our staff writer, Jeff Grant, and our audio engineer, Michael Duncan. Thanks to our syndication partner, The Bass, and special thanks to Ronald Jenkins for his permission to use his music in our show. Check out ronaldjenkins.com for more of his work. But above all, we especially want to thank you folks for tuning in. If no one's listening out there, the deep black can get pretty lonely. Reduce thrust. Just get a bit annoying when Tony ends up being right, so I didn't want to give him the opportunity by making sure that was in there. Hey, he's still wrong, even in the mirror universe. That's true. <laughs> he's still wrong, even in the mirror universe. <laughs> I look good as Spock. What are you talking about? <laughs> I'm just glad that didn't include me with a kill time. Just <laughs> well, they didn't have one with Kirk and Spock and Scotty. If yeah. they had one with Kirk and Spock and Scotty, obviously <laughs> that would have that, yeah. that would have happened. Oh. Now I've just given Ben more ideas. Great. Frontiers also published a list of minor factions that currently control in that currently control currently in control that, that are, are currently in control. Sorry, Mister R, Mister R, R, R. Yeah, Arr, where's your pirates? Where's your pirate the, spirit, lad? Well, you know, is this anti-piracy medication I'm on? <laughs> <laughs> they got a crave for that, do they? <laughs> now, will you be sharing some of that with me? Ah, here you go, past the rock. <laughs> <laughs>
Oh, yeah, rub your, rub your cream on each other on your own time. <laughs> okay. <laughs> uh, silent Hunters. Blah, 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 blah. Macho, macho man.